time, this doesn't look as attractive as it once did because you're fixing your eyes on the things of the kingdom. I'm just talking about a thousand that have a vision for their heart. They've got passion for God. They're leading intercession on their schools. They're set apart, consecrated under God. And they've got a vision and a mission for their life. Good to be here. Uh, good to be with you. I, I love the energy, the excitement and worship, the pursuit of God. I'm just so honored, so grateful. Uh, spent a lot of my life right here uh, in this tent. And so it's good to be back. It's fun to be with you. I love the series that you're in. In this Pray 168 and going after God in prayer. So I want to talk to you about prayer tonight. My goal is that many of you stay for DSM After Dark and pray with us. So we're going to do that. Um, So let's go ahead and let's pray together and then we'll dive into the Word of God. Father, we love you and we thank you, Lord, for what you're doing here at DSM. Thank you, Lord, for the vibrance that's in this room. Thank you for the life, Lord Jesus. Thank you for your presence. And God, even as we saw on that video, Lord, we want to walk with passion for you, God. Lord, we want our lives to be marked by passion. God, we want to spend time with you. We want to love you with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. God, we want intercession to be right at the core of our ministry. God, right at the core of our lives, Lord, on every junior high and high school campus, we ask that you would raise up intercessors, people that pray. We want to live consecrated and consecration, God, set apart, holy the Lord, sanctified, set apart, wholly devoted to you, God. And Father, we want to fulfill the call that you have on each one of our lives. And so the hundreds of calls that are in this room tonight, God, we ask that you would use them to make an impact in America and around the globe. We pray, Lord Jesus, that there would be literally nations changed because of the disciples that are in this room tonight. We honor you. We love you. And all of DSM, shout it! Amen. Well, quite a few years ago, I went to Mexico with some of my friends and we got to Mexico, and, and, and we were kind of all young pastors. I was the youngest guy on the trip at the time, which was really fun, because around here, you know, I'm kind of the old guy. But back then, I was the youngest guy. And uh, I was the youngest guy on the trip by a long shot, and we arrived to this missionary in Mexico. And, and, and when we got off the plane, they put us in the back of a pickup, and then they drove six hours with us in the back of a pickup into the mountains of Mexico outside, six hours, which I thought I was going to die. Literally, people were thrown up. And off the back, and we got to where the missionary lives, and I, I didn't know what to expect. I had heard that God had used this missionary in powerful ways. I had heard stories about this missionary actually seeing people raised from the dead, winning people to Christ, and so I was excited to meet him. And, and when we got there, he was about six foot four, which is pretty massive when you're five, six. And, uh, and literally, I expected, like, when, when I thought of him, I thought of, like, this guy kind of, like, praying in the corner with a Bible open with highlighters. That's kind of what I pictured about a powerful missionary in Mexico. But actually, when I met him, he was, uh, we walked in and he, into his house, and he was actually working out on a Bowflex uh, in Mexico. And uh, so that was funny. He had barbells, and he was working out, and he had this tank top on, and he had just, you know, huge muscles, six foot four, a big old long white beard. And uh, so me and the other pastors were like, hey, you know, we'd love to talk. We'd love to connect. And he says, go ahead and meet me right outside. So we go outside. And when we get outside, there's four, there's four pastors, four small chairs, and one high chair, right? So it kind of felt like we were little kids because we all four sat in these little tiny chairs. And then he came out and he sat in the big chair like this, bow flex muscles, you know, ripped like this. And we're all like these, you know, little, you know, white pastors from America. And, uh, and he says this, he goes, well, what do you want to know? 
So not a sermon prepared, not a book study, not kind of, you know, some nice presentation. He just, what do you want to know? And we're all kind of sitting there kind of quietly and nobody's saying anything. And we've already just, you know, flown into Mexico. We've already gone six hours up in the mountains. And so nobody's saying anything. And so it's kind of that awkward silence where it's like one of us should say something. So I decided, all right, I'm just going to jump in. I'm going to take one for the team. I'm just going to. I'm just going to ask you a question. Scared to death, all these other guys. I was like, come on. I mean, these old guys, the 30-year-olds are sitting there quietly. So I'm like, all right, here we go, 23-year-old. I'm going to, you know, talk to the missionary. So I'm like, you know, I get, kind of work up some courage. And I said, excuse me, uh, well, here's my question. Um, you guys down here are seeing miracles. You're seeing God do so much. You're seeing salvations. You're seeing healings. And you've got all these stories about God's activity Not only in ministry, but in your midst. And I said, we possess in America so much stuff. I said, we have more buildings. We have Christian television. We've got Christian rap. We've got Christian music. We've got Christian bumper stickers. We've got my favorite preaching vegetables. We have all this stuff. And yet... You guys seem to be encountering God. You guys seem to be seeing more of God. I said, why? What do you guys have that we don't? What's the variable in the equation that causes that activity for you guys and so little for us? And I thought he would be honored by the question. You know, I thought I'd get the gold star of wonderfulness for asking that question. You know, like I was just setting him up to just, you know, pow, you know, just... Just say something, and oh, thank you for that great question, oh, youngest pastor. Oh, the bravery that it took for you to ask that. That was what I was hoping for, but instead, he looked at me, and he said, boy. I was like, oh, that's a rough start. Boy, how many hours a day do you pray? And I was like, uh, it's like breakfast, lunch, dinner, add everything up. I gave him, you know, this kind of wimpy answer. And he goes, son. It's like, well, that's better. How many days a week do you fast? And I was like, days a week. I made that like days a year, you know, like. It's a strong question. On all my buds, you know, like the old pastors that are like 29 and 30, you know, they're over there like, you know, snickering, you know. So I said, well. I gave him my answer. I said, I, I, I try to pray an hour a day. And he looks at me and he goes, Phew. he makes this like, like it looked like he was going to hurl. Kind of. He just, and then when he asked me the question about fasting, I answered the question. I said, well, I, I probably wouldn't, if I'm honest, I probably wouldn't say I fast every week right now. He looked at me and he goes, Literally, this truly happened. This is a true story. I'm not exaggerating. I'm not making this up. You can ask some of my buds that were there. He goes, he hawks up this loogie. Can you say that? Okay. And he goes, and he, goes and he spits right in front of me. And he goes, that's puke, son. And I was like, oh God, rapture me now. If you love me, take me to be home with you around the throne, away from this Christian man now. And then he began this little segment that as the time I was 23, 
stuck with me and really formed a lot of the ministry that I began at 23. Because he said, the reason why we're seeing God move, while we're seeing healings, while we're seeing the activity of God, is he said, your life of prayer and fasting in America is just frosting. You just do it extra because it's nice and you're supposed to. And then he said, see that man right over there? He said, last month, his wife died here on the mission field. He said, he needs God for survival. He said, see these guys right here? They risk their lives every day to go up into the mountains, to the villages. And we need God or else we'll die. We need God or else the ministry won't continue. He said, but you know what? He goes, you, and then he said this. It was kind of funny, but hard. He goes, you and your pretty little pastor friends. That's what he called us. It was horribly embarrassing. He goes, you little little pastors from America. He goes, you've got nice buildings. He goes, you've got nice books. He goes, one day you guys are going to write little books and put your name on it and try to sell it. And it's nice and cute. He goes, but he goes, but me and my guys, he goes, we don't have any vision of that. Our only vision is to keep going and growing or else the enemy will come in and we'll be defeated. Like we might lose our lives. Like his wife just died. Like we got to keep moving forward or else we'll fall apart. He said the difference between your life of prayer and fasting is that you do it as an extra statement to God that you like him. We do it because we need God or else we're in trouble. He goes, there's a huge difference between praying and fasting because you are really dependent on God and you need God more than anything and doing it just as a nice spiritual exercise. He goes, contrast those two and they're massively different. And right then, I remember as a 23-year-old, just kind of realizing that, yeah, most of my prayer life is because I'm trying to kind of do those devos. I'm trying to just, I really have kind of a nice life. I've got this nice wife, and I've got, and I went to college, and I, you know, I, I drive a car, and you know, I, I live in America where it's, where it's pretty nice. And I began to realize, say, okay, God, I don't want a, I don't want a ministry that's just kind of got the frosting and the extras of prayer and fasting. God, I want to be wholly dependent on you like this man's dependent on you. And for you and I, as we continue to walk as Christ followers in this great land of ours, the challenge is, even though we possess luxury, to be dependent on God for everything. To be, God, I need you no matter what. I am truly the word, I am desperate for God. And if we have a vision that says, I want, if we, if we have a vision that's small, we won't be desperate because you can do life in Christian high school and junior high and, and, and just be a good kid and do some good things. And, and you don't really need the prayer and fasting thing strong because, hey, you can, you can be a good kid and survive and everybody, you know, say well done and good job. But let's say that you have a vision that goes beyond finishing high school as a good kid. And a vision that says, I want to see my closest friends 
follow Jesus. And I'm desperate to see a move of God on my campus. And I'm eager to have God's vision for how, what he wants on this high school. If you've got that in your heart, then all of a sudden you need him. You're desperate for him because just based upon your own commitment, it's never going to happen. But if God breaks into your campus, if God's will for your campus is going to be done, then you go, okay, God, I'm desperate. I need you. And for you and for me, it's easy for us to think, okay, yeah, all right, I'll, 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 I'll. that's nice, David, it's nice for you to say that. I'm just a regular person. I'm not like, I'm not a, I'm not a Brandon Cormier, I'm not like a Kayla Sprague, I don't, I, I'm not quite a, a leader like that, I'm just trying to, I'm not sure that God really hears my prayers like that or that my prayers can make a difference like that. But here's what I want you to get tonight. I want you to understand that God desires, put your name in there, your prayers. Not just Pastor Brandon's, not just the spiritual leaders that were up here on the stage a moment ago that can pray so eloquently and can call down fire and even pray in Spanish. I mean, sometimes you see that and you go, well, that's for those guys. That's for the people that Pastor Caleb brings up that clearly got the prayer gift and I don't have that. And so it's not for me. But here's what I want you to get. God delights in your, say me. Take this finger like this and go me. Do that. Now, the person next to you, point right in their forehead, right there. Just say you. All right, now, everybody that I'm talking about, raise your hand. Say me. Yeah, God delights in your, say me. Say my prayers. Say my prayers. Say my prayers. Yeah, Yeah, my prayers. God delights in your prayers. It's not just Pastor Brandon. It's not just the famous prayer guys throughout history. It's not just John Wesley or Andrew Murray or Ian Bounds. It is your, I don't care how weak, how broken, how messed up. Your prayers, God actually delights. That's a big word, but that's a biblical word. God takes joy. He delights in your prayers. And your prayers do not have to be eloquent and amazing like the people up here a moment ago that cry out, oh, Father, on behalf of a generation, we beseech thee, oh, great one, to rend the heavens and come down and cause a fire to burn in our hearts that might ignite a generation. And you're going, duh, what's he, right? You know what? God delights in the prayers of weak people even when they pray weak prayers. God doesn't just delight in the prayers of the eloquent that that sound beautiful and look good and it's loud. No, the 13-year-old that's going, God, I want your presence on my campus. God, I want your presence in my life. God, I want, I'm asking for healing between my mom and my dad's relationship. God, and your prayers in whatever, I mean, just regular you talking to God. That's all the prayer is. It's talking to God. It's just communing with God. And so it's not just for the spiritually elite. Prayer is for you. No, 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 David. Prayer is for the cool people. No, prayer is for you. No, no, David. Prayer is for the homeschool people. No, no, prayer is for you. No, no, David. Prayer is for you. Pick your category. The reason why you can step aside and go, it's for somebody else. I'm telling you this. The reason why you were created above everything else is relationship with God. And the way that you develop that relationship is you talk to him, you commune with him. We call that, it's a fancy word, prayer, but it's just conversing, talking to God. Everybody talks to the person that they like, right? You tended, see, he put his arm around that guy. I like you, there it is. Okay, good. Right? What happens to the person that goes, 
I, I, I like God. God likes me. And so even in just the most broken form, you start to talk to God. And here's what happens. You become, just by talking to God, one of those crazy, on-fire, radical people. You know, that's for a spiritual class beyond my pay grade. No, it's for you. It's for 12-year-old you. Me? Yeah. You? No. Couldn't be. Then who? Yeah, you. Me. Us. 12. 14. 15. Who's 17? 17. Yeah, for you. 16. I don't care where you're at, what your age is, what school you go to. God delights in your prayers. Your prayers. And what we often think is, we often think, no, God delights in the prayers of the disciplined. Pastor Brandon is disciplined. Pastor Brandon goes to prayer meetings. Pastor Brandon works out. Pastor Brandon knows how to do music. What? He does. (laughs) I don't know. Anyway, should I pick somebody else? All right. All right. And so you go, well, Pastor Brandon is disciplined, so God probably delights in his prayers. But me, I'm not. I don't work out. I don't, I, 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 I eat seven times a day leftover pizza. I... I'm, I'm, not a dis, I'm not a disciplined person. And so most of us think that the only way that God will delight in our prayers is when we pray out of discipline. Time frame. I'm going to spend time with God. I'm going to pray. That's what God will delight in. I come before God and I say this thing every day. And that's how God delights in my prayers. Let me tell you this. Most of the prayers, when your prayer life starts, it doesn't come from discipline. It almost always comes from desperation. Very rarely does your prayer start as a 14-year-old with, oh, yes, it's 7.15 a.m., and I'm going to sit at that table. I, I mean, we want to get there, but most of the time, it starts with, I just made an F on my math test. I'm scared to death about my life. I don't know what to do other than pray. Oh, God, 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 oh, God. Right? Okay, as... As simple and juvenile as that sounds, listen, play that out in your life, and you have a father that actually hears that prayer and goes, I like you. I like that you're turning to me. I like that you can turn to anything else, but I love it when you turn to me. And when we look at Jesus, we see what God is like, right? If you want to know what God is like, study the life of Jesus. Look at how Jesus responds to people. That's how your father responds to you right now. And I want you to see how Jesus responds to the desperate. Look at this. Mark 10, 46. Then they came to Jericho. As Jesus and his disciples, together with a large crowd, were leaving the city, a blind man, Bartimaeus, was sitting by the roadside. When he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Many rebuked him. And told him to be quiet. But he shouted all the more. Son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stopped and said, call him. So they called to the blind man. Cheer up on your feet. He's calling you. And throwing his cloak aside, he jumped to his feet and came to Jesus. What do you want me to do for you? Jesus said. The blind man said, Rabbi, I want to see. Go, said Jesus. Your faith has healed you. Immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus along the road. Now, look at Bartimaeus. Is Bartimaeus, what's the characteristic that marks his life? Bartimaeus is poor, Bartimaeus is on the, the roadside, Bartimaeus is blind, and in that culture, he would have been the low totem pole of society. I promise you there was a lot of blind men that did not cry out that never received a miracle. But there was something in the heart of Bartimaeus that goes, Jesus, 
son of David, have mercy. And you see this where the disciples, where they rebuked him. They rebuked him. Shut up, blind man. That's what they said. Be quiet. And it said, so he shouted all the more. You feel that? Little blind man. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You want me to, you want me to stop? You want me to be quiet? Show these guys. Jesus! And he shouted all the more. He's blind. Can't see. Has no clue who's rebuking him. They could be big. They could be tall. They could be like the missionary. They could be massive Bowflex men. Doesn't care. Instead, he just shouts all the more. Jesus, son of David. And I love Jesus' response. All of a sudden, it says, Jesus stopped. Call him. They say, whoa, really? On your feet, blind man, he's calling you. What do you want from me? I want to see. Done. And one guy gets this miracle from Jesus. Is he the disciplined? No, he's sitting down on the roadside. What is he? He's the desperate. He's going, I don't want, I don't want things as they are. I don't, other guys, there's other blind men that they're like, oh, I figured out how to get food. I figured out how to do life. I doubt that, that Jesus is really going to stop for me. So I'm just going to sit here quietly and just let the Messiah pass me by. But there's one guy that says, I'm not going to let this guy pass me by. I don't like the way that things are right now. I know that he is a healer. I've heard the rumors that he is the Messiah, the son of David. And so if he's doing miracles, I can guarantee you that he's going to do a miracle for me. And Jesus doesn't look at that and say, hey, Hey, that's a little selfish. He looks in that goes, that's great faith, faith. And I love people. And so, you know, what? I'm going to do a miracle for you. And tonight where we're going is what happens if you say the way that things are, isn't okay with me. And everybody else goes, oh, it's always this way. You know, we live in the most religious uh, zip code ever. Or our school is like, so we, we had a revival seven years ago, but really we didn't see any fruit. And, and you know, I go puke. That's puke. Here's the bottom line. The bottom line is, is that if you get in your heart, no, on my watch, in the five years, in the th- four years that I've got on this high school, I'm desperate for something of God on this campus, and I do not be okay with how things are. I'm not all right with it. You've got one shot on that campus. You've got one shot to be a light on that campus. You have one opportunity for those people to know who you are before God, what you believe, what you're about, and you will not have that chance on a public high school ever again. So the greatest missionaries, the people who make a big difference on that camp is not Pastor Brandon, Pastor Kayla, or me, or Miss Octavia. You know who the difference makers are? It's you. You've got one shot. And the way, the way that you will move forward is on your face in prayer saying, oh God, have your way. Oh, God. Oh, God, I'm not okay with things the way that they are. Most of us are okay with it. We're just like the other blind men that never saw the miracle. Because actually, we're all right with it. Oh, yeah. I'll just, I don't know. I don't know what I believe about all this anyway. I'm going to find a way to justify my lethargy and just sit back and be okay. But there are some of you in this room tonight that you go, no. Not me. I am believing the scriptures for what they say, and I'm going to make a difference in the years that I have. And it might not just be your campus. It might be praying for your family. It might be praying for, for healings. It might be praying for miracles. It might be praying for, for a move of God in our city. It might be that God's putting on your heart the nations. It could be so many different things. But the difference between a world changer 
someone who makes a difference, and somebody who just coasts is faith and prayer, saying, God, it's not my strength, but I know the one who has all power and all strength. And so I cry out. And so I ask. Think about how crazy it is that all you have to do is use your vocal cords to cry out to God, and you can make a massive impact on our planet. That's one of the things that makes prayer so powerful. You don't have to be cool. You don't have to dress really cool. You don't have to be tall. You don't have to be athletic. You don't have to make a 4.0 or a 29 on your ACT. You can just be you. Average, boring, dull, unathletic you. You can just be typical, regular, little bit of, you know, little, you could just be whatever is your category that you go, here's the reasons why I can't be a world changer. And fill in the blank of all the reasons why you kind of go, I just feel average. And go, here's this. You can be you with whatever gift mix God's given you, whatever talent, whatever physical size, whatever, whatever in- intelligence, whatever. And you can make a massive difference through prayer on your face before God. God delights in your prayers. Not just the person next to you. Not just the cool people up here. You. I'm telling you. You Get that in your heart, and you'll have a life in eternity where you go, holy cabooses, God used me in a way that I couldn't even even fathom. All right, number two is this. God hears your prayers. Oh, thanks, David. I came to church to hear that. My mom tells me that. All right, listen. The question is not, have you heard it? The question is, do you believe it in such a way that that you live it and it's a conviction so you see it all the time. That God actually hears when you pray. Look at this, one of my favorite texts, Daniel chapter 10. Daniel's been praying and fasting, seeking the Lord, just like the season of Pray 168 that new life is in. It's a season of prayer and fasting. And here an angel of the Lord comes to him. Let's read this verse together. Suddenly a hand touched me, which made me tremble on my knees and on the palms of my hands. And he said to me, so the angel said, Oh, Daniel, man greatly beloved, understand the words that I speak to you and stand upright for I have now been sent to you. While he was speaking this word to me, I stood trembling. Then he said to me, do not fear, Daniel, for from the first day that you set your heart to understand and to humble yourself before your God. Here it is. This is what I want you to get. This is crazy. Your words were heard. Stop right there. Wait a minute. Daniel, human being, average guy, just little Daniel, brought into exile. Daniel, from the first day, the first moment that you cried out, you humbled yourself before your God, and here it is, your words. Imagine an angel showing up to you. I mean, up to your door. You're praying and fasting. You're like, Pastor Brandon called a fast. We're going to do a three-day fast. We're going to pray. I'm on day three or I'm on day five. I'm praying, and we do it. We're in the middle of it, and you're just like kind of going through your rhythm like, oh, yeah, I'm praying to God. God... And imagine if you just, you're in the midst of that prayer routine and all of a sudden, an angel of the Lord shows up and taps you on the shoulder and says, oh, because that's what the angel said. He didn't say Daniel. He goes, oh, Daniel. I think it's good. He says, man, greatly beloved. It's because he liked him. He's looking at me. He's going, oh, it wasn't like, oh, Daniel, man. It was like, he's just in love with this guy. He's like, ah, all these other people are sinning and you're praying. I love this guy, right? 
He goes, oh, Daniel, man greatly beloved, right? That's, imagine angel shows up and does that. Oh, Kayla, oh, woman greatly beloved. That's what's going on. Angel of the Lord says, I have been dispatched from heaven because you prayed. Your words, from the first moment that you set your heart to understanding, your words were heard. Really? Yeah. Huh. Me. Yeah, you. Just regular, peon, normal, little guy, me, you. God heard my prayers. Uh-huh. No. Your words were heard. Here's the thing. Every word you pray is heard. Every word. The God of the ages hears your prayers. Imagine the dignity that you possess when you really believe that. When you really believe that the God of the ages actually hears everything that I pray. I love it in the text where it says, like in Psalm 18, 19, he says, he rescued me because he delighted in me. I love the way that it says that he collects, in Psalm 56, it says he collects He collects your tears in his bottle. And it's all these verses about how God loves you and delights in you. There's even one in Luke where it says that he knows every hair that's on your head. They're actually numbered. Now, why is he saying that? Why is Jesus saying that? He's saying it to make the point. He cares. He cares about every hair that's on your head. He delights in you. He loves you. Here's my question, though. Who cares how many hairs are on your head? Like, I don't. Like, it's, you don't really care about how many hairs are on your head. I mean, you're like, I don't care as long as I look good. You know, like, I don't really. The, the point of the text is that Jesus is saying he so delights in you that even this random number of how many hairs are on your head, he actually knows. And the whole point is how much he cares. All right. But think about this. He has said over and over and over again. Ask and you receive. Seek and five, Matthew 7. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone that asks receives and everyone that seeks finds. And all that knock, the door is open to you. He, we have over and over again. First John 5, 14. It, it says that he hears your prayers. It's all through the scriptures. It's always, Jesus is always telling us to pray. If he cares about the hair on your head that nobody else cares about and you don't really care about. But he's given you this command to pray. How much more does he hear every prayer that you pray? Every single time you pray, it moves him. The angel of the Lord shows up to little Daniel. Yeah, the guy from the lion's den, that guy. Daniel, man greatly beloved, from the first day that you set your heart to understanding, your words were heard. What does that mean? It means the dignity that a human being can possess. How? Through crying out to God in prayer. He goes, your words were heard. My words? Whew. Yeah. And then, this is the crazy part. Not only does he hear your prayers, but he says, the angel of the Lord says, and I, the angel, I have come. Randomly. I just, I just kind of decided. I just look for excuses to visit earth. No. And I have come because you bug us. No. And I have come... I don't know, because, you know, you're the one guy that I thought of, and there's lots of people on earth, and we just, we just trying to sovereignly just kind of randomly think through this, and I don't know, you're the lucky one. No. The angel of the Lord looks at a human being and says, 
I was dispatched from the throne room. I have come in response to your prayers, Daniel. Me? You. I'm just Daniel. Right. I can't fathom that you, an angel, would come because I've been praying. Fathom it. Whoo! What happens to the person that buys into that kind of spiritual dignity before God? Well, haha! My weak words turn into supernatural spiritual impact. Uh huh. Dude, something now. My weightlifting doesn't mean much when I'm 80. My how many friends I have on, that, that like my pictures don't measure much when I'm 80. My money, how much money I have, don't mean much when I'm 80. But when I'm 80, there's a God that heard every word I prayed and it actually made a difference on planet Earth. Uh-huh. That goes in your heart, and all of a sudden, the regular people become the prayer people. All of a sudden, you go, well, I can, I can stay out late for that. I can get up early for that. I can go without lunch for that. I, it, 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 I can go without television for that. I can go without Madden 14 for that. I can, can skip Mario Kart for that. I can skip... That, that's what's going to last forever? Yeah, that's what's going to last forever. You go, well, all right. Well, God, sometimes the temptation is just to be like, well, I don't know. I, I don't really know what to say. And what I love is the kindness that we have in Jesus. Every time that people ask requests that were immature and weak, and God, Jesus over and over again. Have you ever noticed Jesus seemed to really enjoy the weak people? The children, those that need physical healing, Jesus always, they moved him. In that culture, the women were the bottom of society, and it was over and over again that these broken women would come, and whether they were pouring stuff on his feet or whether they were saying, hey, help me, I've got this disease or this sickness, it was Jesus going, I like her, I like these children, I like the blind guy. And then some really cool guy would come along that had an education and was healthy and would say, well, the scripture says this, and he'd say, who are you, sucker? I mean, there was not any kind of delight. There was this delight in the weak and the broken. And the enemy wants you to believe that you, your prayers will not make a difference because you're not strong enough and you're not cool enough before God. And you've messed up too much and you're too, you're too low on the totem pole. But the word of God would say that it doesn't matter how broken or how weak you are, that the same Jesus who delights in the prayers in the weak delights in your prayers. And at 17 years old, you start to work that muscle. Then by 27, you are actually one of those people that cries out to God in prayer and actually moves angels and demons. One of my heroes, he was standing in line a few weeks ago. And a bunch of he and his buddies were about to meet some politicians. And he left the line and he said, he said to his friend, he goes, come on. He goes, I don't want to stand in line all day to meet a famous politician to get my picture with him on Instagram. 
He goes, my life's about moving angels and demons. Let's go cry out to God together in prayer. And he walked away from meeting a high-ranking politician in Washington to go cry out to God in prayer. And when I heard that story, something inside me goes, yes. That's seeking for eternity, not seeing for now. And we often think, well, I'm just, I'm so weak. My prayers don't really matter. Listen, I don't care even if you just look to God. Just, you're walking through the hallway and you're just, you just see somebody that needs Jesus and you don't even know what to say. You just look at them and you just, just look at God and you go, him. God goes, got it. And then all of a sudden you're, you're at home and there's fighting between your parents and you don't know exactly how to pray for them, but you just say, help. And God goes, got it. You don't have to have this eloquent, beautiful, you could just look to God, close your eyes and imagine the God of the ages and just say what's in your heart. And he goes, I like that. Romans 8 says sometimes we don't even know what to say, so we just groan. You might not even say a word in English. You might just go, ah! And God goes, got it. Good prayer, son. Right? You're driving home from high school, and you're like, I want to see God touch these friends who are out getting drunk, who are out living for themselves. They're wasting their lives, and I want them to know Jesus, and you don't know what to say. You don't know how to pray. You're just driving, and you just honk your horn, and you just go, ah! And God goes, ooh, Gabriel, did you hear that? Dispatch him. I like that guy. Right? Why? Because he goes, yeah, I delight in you. I delight in the prayers of weak people. Yes, we want to be mature, and yes, I would love it for a decade from now for your prayer to mature, and for you to pray the scriptures, and for you to be able to cry out, and Isaiah 62 comes out, and Isaiah 64, all of a sudden you're praying these great prayers, and you sound eloquent, and that's nice and fine, but if you believe a lie that that's how it looks today, then you are sadly deceived, and you need to know that you have a God that looks at you, and he goes, I love even the groan that's in your heart when you're looking to me instead of looking to yourself and looking to somebody else. Your weak prayers matter. Your weak, broken prayers for healing. Your weak, broken prayers for your parents' marriage. Your weak, broken prayers for your high school. Even gathering together just two people, three people, and you, you don't know what to say. You've got you scheduled 25 minutes, and all three of you have prayed, and you've still got 22 minutes to go. And God goes, I like those guys. And so you just go around again, and you say, yes, Lord, do it again. Yes, God. Good. All right. Okay. And then you just open up the Bible and you read a verse and you're like, do that. I had a kid that joined the furnace. He didn't know what to pray. And we were all praying the scriptures. He didn't know what, but he wanted to pray this prayer. So he got up. He just read the whole, the whole first chapter of Romans 1. He just read the whole thing and he got to the end. He didn't know how to pray. He was 25 years old. He just goes, do that, God. And he walked off. And I just go, yes. Yes. Why? Because God goes, yeah delight in them. I delight in those prayers. All right, let me end with this. Revelation 19 says this. It's how it all kind of ends. And I heard, as it were, the voice of a great multitude, as the sound of many waters, and as the sound of mighty thunderings, saying, hallelujah, for the Lord God omnipotent reigns. Here's what I want you to imagine. There's this day where we will look and we will say, Hallelujah, that means exaltation. Hallelujah, the Lord God, that means he's king. Omnipotent, that means all-powerful. The Lord God omnipotent, he had all power. Reigns. This is the end of history. This is where, according to Revelation, where it all ends up. So that means that we'll stand before God and we'll go, 
Hallelujah. The Lord God, all-powerful, reigns. You are wise. You possess all power and all wisdom. You set up human history really well. Hallelujah. The Lord God, omnipotent, reigns. And I believe in that day we'll look back and you'll be able to see, God, you said in your word that you would use the prayers of the saints. You said that the prayers of the saints actually made an impact on the way that human history unraveled. And so you'll look back and you'll look at the beautiful God and you'll look back at human history and you'll go, your word was true. You'll go, hallelujah. The Lord God omnipotent, you really are all powerful, but God, you are all powerful and you used your power through my weak words. And he goes, right, that's what I said. And you go, yeah, 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 but I couldn't understand it. I mean, after all, God, I couldn't figure out how you were all powerful and you, you knew all things and you used me. I couldn't figure that out. I couldn't figure out how you could be omniscient, omnipotent, and how you could use human beings and how your power was exercised through human beings. And I couldn't figure it out. And God goes, did I tell you to be able to articulate exactly how it works or did I tell you to do it? Did I tell you to pray? Because you'll look back and you'll go, God, you used every prayer. He'll go, that's right. No, no, I thought that there were lots of unanswered prayers. He goes, no, there's no such thing. You go, whoa. And you go, God, you used my prayer when I was in the seventh grade. He goes, yeah. But God, I didn't see the miracles that I was crying out for. He goes, yeah, but that prayer impacted that. And I was doing that. And, and, and that was battling there. And that impacted that person. And every word was heard. And that made an impact. And you'll go, And God, in 10th grade, when I was crying out, I was praying, and I started that prayer meeting, the only person that came was that weird girl that had a crush on me. And that you used that prayer. He'll go, yeah, I used that prayer. No. She was so strange. He'll go, I know. I use her prayers, too. What? Hers? Uh-huh. <laughs> I used that, and, and that, and, no. and then when I was 20, uh no. Yeah. And, ha! God, you said, ask and you receive, seek and you find, knock and the road will be open to you. But I just kind of just kind of discarded it as just kind of like, you know, real excited Jesus, not meaning what he said. He goes, no, 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 no. I wasn't just real excited. That was true. Oh. Well, God, if I had believed then, what I see now. I would have lived differently in my high school years. He goes, life's a vapor. You got one shot. You got one shot to give everything. You got one shot to believe my word. You got one shot to cry out to God in the place of prayer and to voluntarily choose prayer instead of living on the buffet of entertainment. God, you are awesome. I go, thank you, Pee Wee. No, 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 God, you're really, ha, ha, hallelujah, the Lord God omnipotent reigns. You are awesome. You use the prayers of the saints to transform the planet, even in our weakness and our brokenness. And God, you heard every word. Every word was heard. And every prayer made an impact. 
every prayer made a difference. You have privilege tonight. You have a privilege tomorrow. You have a privilege for the years to come to voluntarily choose the power of heaven instead of the power of earth. Choose the strength of God instead of the food, the money, the entertainment, strength that you find from the world. And every time that you choose voluntarily weakness and say, I choose to pray and to come and to commune before God and to give up this hour of sleep, to give up this meal, to give up this hour of Netflix in order to cry out in prayer. And every time you do that, you're making an eternal difference. And there will be a day where you'll look back and you will be so grateful for every prayer that you prayed, every groan that you groaned, where you just said, oh God, have your way. And over time, this doesn't look as attractive as it once did because you're fixing your eyes on the things of the kingdom. I'm just talking about a thousand that have a vision for their heart. They've got passion for God. They're leading intercession on their schools. They're set apart, consecrated under God. And they've got a vision and a mission for their life.